Got a light in my video, so no one else will show up on the video. If you're worried about showing up on the video, feel free to turn your camera off. Um, Welcome to tonight's workshop. Tonight's workshop is all about overcoming social anxiety and increase, increase in confidence. So the agenda. We're going to talk a little bit about social anxiety. We're going to talk about what causes social anxiety. Um, and then we're going to talk about confidence. What is confidence? what causes a lack of confidence. Um, then we're going to talk about how we can increase confidence. So I'm going to show you tips and tricks to increase your confidence. I'm going to tell you about a program I have beginning on the 14th of May, a four week in a child program. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. And then we're going to do a short hypnosis session um, to help you feel more confident. So what I'd like everyone to do uh, right now starting off is to consider what your life would look like when you're more confident. You know, it's very difficult to quantify confidence if you just say i want to feel more confident that's you know not very specific so um think about what more confidence will mean to you what will your life look like when you're more confident and then at the end gonna allow any questions or comments that you want to make. So, what is social anxiety? So, <clears throat> anxiety, all anxiety, is a natural response to danger. If you were in a life or death situation, you'd find the symptoms of anxiety very useful. Sweating enables you to cool down for any perceived activity that your mind thinks may be coming. The increased heart rate gets the blood flowing around your body, gets oxygen and blood into your muscles. <clears throat> so you can either fight or run away. All of your energy is gonna be diverted to making your escape. If you were being chased by a tiger, you wouldn't need to worry about colds or viruses. So that energy is transferred um, to enable you to make your, mis your escape. So people who suffer with a lot of anxiety generally have a reduced immune response. They get more colds and viruses than other people. Um, everyone experiences anxiety. As I said, it's a natural response to danger. 
we need it to keep us safe. There'll be something wrong with you if you never experienced anxiety. Um, but when we are, you know, when we feel anxiety is a bad thing, when we feel that feeling anxious is um, causing us problems, we generally tend to fight against it. And what resists not only persists, but grows stronger. So the more you try and fight something, the stronger it's going to become. People with anxiety generally tend to isolate themselves, certainly. You've got social anxiety. You're going to isolate yourself. You have a reduced social circle. People who suffer with anxiety, it's often comorbid with depression. So when they, when medical people say something's comorbid, they mean it occurs with something. So anxiety, people who suffer a lot of anxiety generally suffer with depression as well. Mixed anxiety and depression is the most common mental health condition um, at the moment in the world. And it's estimated that I believe from memory, they say 9% of the UK population suffers with mixed anxiety and depression. So how social anxiety can affect us. Social anxiety can cause blushing. Blood rushes to your face, you go red. Um, it's an issue I used to suffer with quite a lot. Um, as you can see, my hair is fair and fair people tend to blush a lot in general anyway. Um, as I said previously, what resists persists. So I used to try and, you know, fight against the blushing, used to cause me a lot of distress, and then that made me blush more. Reduced social circle. Again, you know, you're gonna have few friends, you're gonna find it difficult to meet people. You may experience dizziness. You may have a fear of fainting. When you, you know, have dizziness, you often get lightheaded, feel like you're gonna pass out. You might have difficulty speaking, actually getting words out. People with social anxiety are often gonna have dysfunctional relationships. They're going to struggle to make new friends, and this may cause them to form dysfunctional relationships with the friends they do have. So they may try to, they may become codependent, people pleasers, they may have a fear of abandonment, you know, not wanting people to, to leave them. So they 
try and do everything they can to keep people happy. And this can lead to them being taken advantage of. Work struggles. You may have difficulty keeping a job. I know, you know, I used to struggle to keep a job, went through God knows how many jobs uh, in my early years of work. And uh, part of that is because I grew up with a lot of dysfunction <clears throat> and the work environment is a mirror of the home environment. So if you have a dysfunctional home life, you can have a dysfunctional work life. So how does social anxiety affect you? Let me know in the chat box. Let me know if anything I've covered there sounds familiar. All of it. Anyone else? Sound familiar to anyone else? Does it affect you in other ways? Yep, reduce social circle blushing. Very familiar. All of the above. So where does it come from? So trauma causes anxiety. It's a conditioned response. Um, and there was a man called Ivan Pavlov. He was an animal behaviorist and he wanted to do some research into dogs. The rumor, well, one story is that he wanted to do some research into dog saliva. So he got some dogs, he tied them up, and then he sounded a bell to remind him to feed the dogs. Um, and after a while, he noticed that he no longer needed to feed the dogs to make them salivate, they would start salivating as soon as they heard the bell. And this is how anxiety works. For me, I grew up in a very narcissistic environment with a very narcissistic family. I had aunts and uncles who uh, would always put me down, call me names. Um, and my mother and father were much better. Um, <clears throat> so I developed all kinds of insecurities, all kinds of triggers. Um, as I said, you know, I became very conscious of blushing and very insecure about blushing. I was an easy target for these narcissistic family members. And it's common for narcissistic families to idealize one child, to put them on the pedestal, to make them a, the golden child, and to have another child who they treat as a scapegoat. And they'll project all of their toxic shame, 
all of their own insecurities onto that child, they call that child names, maybe even physically abuse them. So narcissistic abuse and trauma are often generational. They often, it's often generational trauma. It runs in families. Repetition, compulsion says what we don't heal. We're either gonna reenact on others or find new people to reenact it on us. When we're babies, we're looking to our parents to co-regulate our emotions. My mother also had a lot of issues with anxiety and depression. Obviously in the womb, I picked up on that. Um, and as a baby, you know, I needed to be around someone who was emotionally stable. Um, with my mother, you know, I picked up on her anxiety and depression. So <clears throat> some people uh, maybe develop social anxiety from being bullied at school or feeling like they don't fit in for some other reason, maybe because of racial abuse or, you know, something else. Uh, in my experience, of anxiety and helping people to overcome anxiety there's always a traumatic event or events which cause the problem and these events don't have to be when you're a child <coughs> you know the slightest thing can be traumatic you know losing your lollipop when you're four is going to feel like a, a life-threatening event so the slightest thing in childhood can cause um, you know, issues later in life. Um, and when we're children, our neuroplasticity is at its highest. It's when our brain is actually forming, new neural pathways are forming in the brain. 95% of your brain is formed by the age of five. I just check your comments. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> these things do increase with age. As I said, you know, what resists persists. So the more you try and fight anxiety, the stronger it's going to become. So confidence, Eric Cantona said it's all about confidence. What is confidence? In NLP, we say confidence is a nominalization. Confidence is anything you can't put in a wheelbarrow. If I asked, you know, everyone here what confidence meant to them, you'd all have slightly different answers no one is you know no one's a hundred percent sure what confidence is to them it means something different to everyone else as i said <clears throat> you can't put it in a wheelbarrow so confidence is an umbrella term for many things it can mean facing fears and beating them it can mean acting without a fear of judgment, acting 
without worrying what other people think of us or how other people perceive us. It's an inner belief that you're good enough, that you'll always be okay no matter what. It's an confident people are able to act regardless of their fear because they have this inner belief, because they know that whatever happens, they'll be okay. Again, this can come from childhood as well. If you're growing up in an environment where you're not getting your needs met, maybe uh, an unstable environment, maybe just an environment where there's a lot of arguing, you're going to internalise that. You're going to feel like there's something wrong with you. It's going to create toxic shame and you're not going to feel okay. Um, confident people are able to be authentic. So no one's perfect. And confidence is about realising that you have inadequacies and accepting them. So what does confidence mean to you? Let me know in the chat box. Add your views of what confidence means to you in the chat box. Freedom, believing in yourself, yeah. The more we do something successfully, the more confident we become in our ability to do that thing successfully. So everyone's confident in something. Everyone's confident at being able to do something. Where does a lack of confidence come from? Again, everyone's doing the best they can with what they have. But as I said previously, you know, when we're children, our neuroplasticity is at its highest. A child until the age of three doesn't have any boundaries. They see everything as them pushed out. You were a we before you became an I. And many of us have our confidence knocked by teachers, parents, or other caregivers. Um, as, and again, as I said previously, you know, many of these people have their un, own unresolved trauma, their own issues that they project onto us. And, <coughs> you know, even like if it's doing, you know, many people are told by their teachers that they'll never amount to anything that, you know, they'll never achieve anything. Lots of stories of, you know, footballers and people, millionaires who were told by their teachers that they were never going to amount to anything. Um, so as children, we're blank slates and neuroplasticity is at its highest. And until the age of seven, 
is when we're learning all the most complex and difficult tasks. And we are looking to our parents and caregivers to help us understand the world. You know, our parents, our mum and our dad, they're like gods. And whatever they tell us, we take as the truth. So if they are telling us that we're useless or stupid, again, we're going to internalise that. It's going to affect our confidence. Um, and we don't have any boundaries. So, yeah, that's where a lack of confidence comes from. As I said, it doesn't have to be a really abusive environment. Just growing up in an environment where there's a lot of arguing can cause a child to feel pushed out, unwanted. They're going to internalise it. They think, children think everything is about them. Not worrying what others think. So, how did a lack of confidence affect me? So, I looked for confidence in the wrong places. Again, as I was saying previously, um, growing up with narcissism, with abuse, we internalize it, it creates toxic shame. We learn that we're not okay, that happiness no longer lives within us. We have to look outside of ourselves. We may look for cars, we may look for, you know, houses, money, possessions, all these things to try and make ourselves feel confident. And then when we get those things, you know, we're happy for a little bit, they make us feel better for a little bit, and then we don't, you know, feel good. We don't feel good again, maybe, you know, a week or two later. So I adopted narcissistic coping strategies myself. Again, growing up in an environment where narcissism was the norm, I learned that that was the way to behave. And uh, I would use narcissism to try and elevate myself. I couldn't attach to people in a healthy way. I was codependent. Um, again, I felt like I needed other people to make me feel okay. I was always looking to other people for reassurance. Um, a lack of confidence affected my work, um, affected my opportunities at work, affected my earning potential. How does a lack of confidence affect you? Let me know in the chat box. Also let me know what you do with more confidence. Would you get a better job? What would you do with more confidence? Let me know in the chat box. You would be happier. 
But what would being happier look like, Jim? Can you be specific? Can you be specific about what happiness would look like for you? Better relationships. People with confidence kind of con their way into everything. Uh, I don't think that's true. You know, certainly, as I said previously, a lot of people develop toxic coping strategies to try and make themselves look or feel confident. So one of those toxic coping strategies could be manipulating people. Again, you know, manipulating people could make someone with low confidence feel, feel more confident, feel like they're above someone, feel like, you know, I manipulate people, that means I'm cleverer than they are. And they could be getting confidence from that kind of behavior. More fulfilled. Be able to challenge yourself more. Yep, feeling calmer with less worrying. These are great answers. So techniques for increasing confidence. So for me, um, I used to, you know, take a very kind of slumped over uh, posture, used to slouch. Again, when someone's anxious, they're going to take on a kind of low value posture. They're going to be slouched over. They're going to cover their vital organs. When someone's confident, they're going to keep their back straight, keep their shoulders back. They're going to have a, a good posture. You know, if you look at, I don't know, a king, that they have a high value posture. They, you know, have their back straight, they have a confident posture. Uh, so because I hurt my back, I couldn't slouch anymore because when I slouched, it caused spasms and I'd fall over. So my posture had to change. And when we change our posture, when we take a more confident posture, we're telling our mind, Again, we're telling our mind that it's safe, that we're safe, because if we weren't safe, we would be taking the anxious posture. We'd be covering, covering our vital organs. So when we have a more confident posture, we release all kinds of confidence-boosting hormones, and these make us more confident. And we also can set goals. So as I said previously, if you don't know where you're going, you're never gonna get there. So what we can do is to set SMART goals. SMART goals are specific. So as I said previously, rather than saying, I wanna be more confident, I wanna feel calmer, what specifically 
could you do when you're more confident or more calmer? What specifically would that look like for you? Be really specific about that. Uh, measurable, achievable, obviously, you need to feel that you can achieve the goal. Relevant needs to be relevant to you. And time bound, you need to put a time limit on it. You need to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a promotion at work and be earning more money in this time frame. Or, you know, gonna be making um, 10,000 pound a year more in six months. So that would be an example of a SMART goal. It's specific, it's measurable, it's achievable, it's relevant, and it's time-bound. We can also start to expand our comfort zone. So when we stay in our comfort zone, we feel safe and in control, but it becomes, you know, very small, uh, and it can become smaller and smaller. Once we start to move out of our comfort zone, um, our comfort zone expands, and we start to feel comfortable in different situations. Okay, so I'm back. Okay, so once we start to move out of our comfort zone, the more we move out of that comfort zone, the more we can expand that comfort zone, the more we can start to feel comfortable doing different things. You can also heal your inner child. As I said, if you grow up or grew up with a lot of dysfunction, as I did, you will need to heal your inner child to give yourself that self-love, self-acceptance that you may not have had as a child. You're gonna need to, you're gonna need to reparent your inner child to give yourself self-love, self-acceptance, to make your inner child feel safe. And we don't have to have suffered uh, dysfunction or trauma in childhood to benefit from inner child healing. We all have an inner child. We all pick up unhelpful beliefs and ideas in childhood. And as I said previously, if a child grows up around an anxious parent, they can adopt the belief that the world is not a safe place. And this can cause them to suffer from anxiety and a lack of confidence. So did you grow up with anxious parents? Did you grow up with parents that didn't have much confidence? Let me know in the chat box.
Yes. Yes. Okay, so as I said, starting on the 14th of May, I have a four week inner child program, which consists of four group coaching sessions. All the sessions are recorded. So if you miss a session, you can watch it back. You can also download the sessions to watch them back at a late, later date. Um, I've created a Facebook group where I put lots of content regarding negative self-talk, uh, emotional eating, all kinds of content in there. Uh, weekly exercises, every week we do exercises to connect with and integrate the inner child. And that's all updated in a workbook every week. Uh, we're gonna be looking at integrating all ages of the inner child from infant to adolescent. Doing this kind of work can reduce anxiety, can increase self-esteem, confidence, can allow you to reconnect with your impulses, sorry, control your impulses, and reconnect with your emotions. Yet parents with anxiety and alcoholism, yeah. So if you're, or people who've done the inner child program have said about it. Um, so as I said, if you're interested in that, you can sign up for the inner child program via that link. If you have any questions about the inner child program, if you want to discuss anything with me about the inner child program, if you want to talk about uh, maybe one-to-one -one therapy, if you've got anything that you'd like to get help with, you can book a one-hour free session with me via the second link I just posted in the chat box. So people who've done the Inner Child program always, at the end of the program, I ask everyone to fill in a survey uh, detailing you know, what they liked about the program, what they didn't like about the program, and these are their comments at the end of the program. You can also find these on my website and many more comments are on my website as well. So you can see them via the link I shared in the chat box. So something else we can do to be more confident. Mm -hmm. Having terrible issues with Zoom tonight. I don't know if it's my internet or Zoom or what. Okay, so something else we can do to be more confident is visualization. And the emotional part of your brain can't tell the difference between a real or an imagined event. So by visualizing yourself the way you want to be, you can actually build new neural pathways in the brain. And the more you visualize yourself the way you want to be, the more stronger 
those neural pathways become? So a question. Who wants to try some hypnosis? Let me know in the chat box. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay, so what we're going to do first of all, we're going to do you some exercises to show you the power of your unconscious mind. And so what I'd like to do is to take a deep breath in, breathing all the way down into your stomach and breathing into the stomach triggers the relaxation response. If you, it's very good to make a conscious effort to breathe into your stomach, you know, as much as you can. Um, they say that until the age of seven, we naturally breathe into our stomach, but for some reason, we all forget to do it once we start school. So breathing into your stomach, and then as you breathe out, just allowing your eyes to close. And with your eyes closed, I'd like you to just imagine, only imagine, that you're walking into your kitchen. And there on the side is a nice bowl of juicy citrus fruits. Could be oranges, or lemons, could be limes or grapefruit. Imagine walking into that kitchen, picking up one of those juicy fruits placing it safely and securely on a cutting board and then safely and securely taking a knife and cutting into that citrus fruit. Going to create a nice bite-sized wedge. So you're cutting into that fruit. Those juices are squirting up. Those citrusy smells are filling the air. Uh, and then you're cutting into it again, cutting into it, creating that bite-sized wedge. Those juices squirting out, the juices running down onto that cutting. And then picking up that wedge of fruit, lifting it up towards your face, maybe smelling that fruit smelling those citrusy flavours, then placing that piece of fruit in your mouth and biting down. So you're placing it in your mouth, biting down. Those flavours are exploding in your mouth. The juices are running out, running down your face, 
dripping off your chin. Just imagine that happening now. Awesome. And then when you're ready, open your eyes, come all the way back to the here and now. Let me know if that exercise made your mouth water. Yes. Yep. Excellent. Anyone else? Okay, another exercise. So, what I'd like you to do now is to take your hands, hold them out in front of you like so. Turn your left hand with your palm facing up. Keep your right hand with your palm facing down. Take a deep breath in. And then as you breathe out, allowing your eyes to close. And with your eyes closed, I'd like you to just imagine that in your left hand, we've placed some heavy books. Those books are weighing down on that left hand. That left hand is sinking lower and lower. And to your right hand, we've tied some helium. Those helium balloons are rising up, taking that right hand with them. So your left hand's lowering down and your right hand's rising up. There's heavy books in your left hand. And your light, right hand is feeling lighter and lighter, drifting up. Just imagine that happening. Awesome. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes, come all the way back to the present, leaving those hands where they are. And if you notice any difference between those hands, let me know in the chat box. Let me know in the chat box. The right hand went lower than the left, perfect. Anyone else? Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so now we're going to do some hypnosis. So make yourselves comfortable. Sit back. And we're going to start off with your eyes open. So I'd like you to find a point out on the wall or the ceiling, 
in front of you. Could be the point where the wall meets the ceiling. Just allow your eyes to focus on that point. Awesome. And eventually you're going to notice that those eyelids are becoming heavier and heavier. And they're going to want to close down as if all by themselves. But not yet. Right now I'd like you to just continue focusing on that. Yes. Maybe you can imagine those eyelids becoming heavier and heavier. Maybe you can imagine that we've attached little weights to those eyelids and those eyelids pulling those eyelids down. Maybe you can imagine how you feel after a long day, feeling tired, those eyelids just feel heavy, it can feel so good to just close those. As you think about that, you can start to notice the top of your head relax. All the tiny muscles in your forehead are releasing, letting go. You can become aware of your breathing. And you can notice that your unconscious mind is breathing for you all along as you've been focusing on those eyelids become heavier and heavier. Once those eyelids finally touch down, you can allow yourself to really begin to completely relax and let go. That relaxation can flow down into your cheeks and your jaw, flowing down your neck. All of those vertebrae in the back of your neck, just comfortably releasing any tension. Maybe stretching, releasing as they go. Yes, comfortably, easily, relax, drifting. Deeper and deeper. That relaxation flows down into your shoulders, down your arms, into your hands, all the way down your body. Maybe becoming aware of your body supported. So that relaxation flows down your legs, into your feet. All the time you can. Continue breathing deeply. Your unconscious mind is always there looking to protect you, keep you safe. If you're sleeping deeply and an alarm sounds, your 
unconscious. My nose to wake you up. All the most powerful things you do, you do it unconscious level. You're able to change from baby to a child, from a child to an adult. You made these changes all unconsciously. First, just allowing yourself to really begin to relax and let go. Your conscious mind can drift and dream. Unconscious takes more and more control. In a moment, I'd like you to start counting backwards from 300. And after each number, it's almost as though there's a tiny voice in the back of your head telling you to just relax, relax. Relax. At some point, you can relax those numbers right out of your mind. You can notice that you don't notice what the next number should be. You begin counting now, and I will count with you. 300. 290. Relax. Relax, relax, 290, 297, 297, relax, relax, relax. Maybe you can remember times in the past, times when you've been completely totally relaxed, completely, totally at Maybe you can imagine walking through a meadow on warm, moonlit night. There's no one else around. Only Maybe there's the sound of an owl off in the distance. The smell as meadow flowers in the air. Maybe you can imagine walking along a path with long grass either side. Being able to touch the top of that grass in your hand, stroking the top of that grass in your hand as you're walking. Yes. And in the middle of that meadow, there's a large tree. As you approach that tree, the every step you take towards that tree, you're becoming more and more comfortable, more and more at ease, calmer and calmer. Nursing. Once you reach that tree, you can feel the bark 
can reach a hand out. Notice how all those muscles in your arm work together to lift that hand. At the base of that tree, you can notice a rabbit hole. In a moment, we're going to go down that rabbit hole, but not yet. Just walk around that tree. Feel the bark. And when you're ready, you can imagine yourself sliding down a hole underneath the tree. Sliding down, swirling round and round as you could. Swirling this way and that way. Drifting deeper and deeper down. And then finding yourself at the bottom, the very basement of hypnosis, the very depths of trance. And in this place, you can see a future, more confident version of you. Maybe a version of you in the coming days or weeks. Maybe a situation that may have bothered you in the past or something you've been worrying about. This version of you is calm and relaxed, totally confident, totally at ease. You can take a moment to observe that version of you. How will you be standing? How will you be interacting with people? Maybe you can imagine yourself standing tall, standing with back straight, and your shoulders back, feeling calm and relaxed, feeling good in every way. And then stepping into that version of Feeling those confident feelings increase, becoming more and more, seeing through that version of you's eyes, feeling what they feel, hearing what they hear. Yes. Noticing yourself, breathing deep. Noticing people, maybe interacting with you in a more positive way. Yes. And you feel completely and totally at ease. You can imagine that confidence flowing up into your feet up your legs, into your body. 
flowing up your spine once again. Each of those vertebrae in your spine separating, relaxing in some comfortable way. Maybe your spine becoming just a little bit straighter, allowing you to stand just a little bit taller. Yes. Really experiencing that. In the coming days and weeks, I know that you're going to notice yourself in a situation, a situation where you're experiencing more confidence, more calm. And when you experience that, you can get a sense of yourself smiling, either there or now. Noticing how good that feels. In a moment, I'm going to count from one to five. When I reach the number five, you can open your eyes, coming all the way back to the here and now, noticing how good you feel. One, maybe you can get a sense of the feeling and the energy returning to your feet, maybe wiggling those toes. Two, that energy flowing up your body. Three, down your arms, into your hands, wiggling those fingers. Four, and on the next number, you can open your eyes, coming all the way back to the here and now, noticing how good you feel. Five, eyes open, wide awake. Maybe you'd like to stretch and yawn. If you like that, let me know in the chat box. Let me know in the chat. Once again, there are those links. So the first link is to book a call with me, book a one hour uh, free session. Um, the second link is for the Inner Child program. If you'd like to do the Inner Child program, and have any questions about the inner child program uh, you can book a call with me and we can discuss them um, i can create uh, payment options for people uh, you know if you're the price is priced in the uk 109 pounds which is about 140 dollars if you'd like to pay in another currency uh, as i said book a call with me and I can uh, arrange that for you. Um, the third link is for my Facebook group. That's my free Facebook group where you can find lots of content, uh, you can find lots of videos to help with anxiety. So, uh, you know, join up there. Um, the fourth link is for my YouTube channel and on my YouTube channel, I upload 
lots of videos. I upload these workshops uh, when I do them. Uh, I'm going to upload this video depending on how the recording comes out. We've had a few connection issues, so I'm not sure if it's going to come out very well, but I may upload it there. And the final link is for Eventbrite, where you can see the full week in a child program and you can sign up for that if you use that code early bird you get it for 50 percent off so uh, have a look at that excellent yeah yep Trying to analyze what was going on. Okay. Well, there's a theory that the unconscious mind is always listening. As I said, if you're fast asleep and an alarm sounds, um, you know, your unconscious knows to wake you up. Um, does anyone have any questions, anything? you'd like to know let me know in the chat box let me know if you have any questions okay thank you i'm glad you enjoy it I'm glad you enjoyed it. Excellent. Thank you, Julian. As I said, uh, there are those links again. Um, hopefully the recording will come out okay. And I can put it on my YouTube channel, which is the fourth link there. Um, please check the Meetup and Eventbrite groups for future workshops and uh, on Saturday I have a workshop on toxic shame and projection so that's a paid workshop but it's very reasonably priced so please uh, have a look at that thank you Joe Thank you everyone. Thank you all for joining me. So if no one has any other questions, I shall say uh, thank you all for joining me. Uh, I hope to see you again on future workshops. Check out those links um, and good night. <laughs>